welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got Frankie Cardicelli of KHTK, Return of the Roar podcast, joining the show. How's it going, Frankie? Good, Brendan. Good morning, sir. You know, just one morning after a King's win, maybe one of the better games of the season. So feeling pretty good or torn, depending on how you're you're feeling in the uh, the the push for a top five pick, but I think it's kind of hard to not be impressed about what we saw last night. So I'm kind of, I'm feeling a little optimistic right now, not about making the plan or anything like that. Just about good basketball. The Kings played a good basketball game last night. So I'm feeling good. How about you? I am uh, with you. We don't get all too many good basketball games and there were even some highlights in that one. There's the Dante or Chemezi to Dante and then Dante back to Chemezi lob uh Demonis Sabonis throws it down on like two minutes apart bitch true yes um and there were a lot of Chicago fans in the stadium which I get is maybe not a great thing but I actually thought it made the environment weirdly fun um because I think that as Sacramento like they had a 20 point lead at the half um which we'll get into kind of reasons a little bit in a second here but as they as Chicago starts to come back, there's an energy in the stadium for the Bulls. And I think before when we've seen these blown leads, the life of the stadium just disappears. And so when I, I think like when the Kings have a one point lead and and that was previously 20, but then are able to go from like one to three or start to extend it a little bit more like that bucket has a little bit more. It, it, gets the fan base going a little bit more because they feel like they're fighting against the Chicago fans in the stadium. So weirdly was a cool environment because of that. But I don't know if that's just me. No, I don't think I've ever seen a Bulls game like that. And I think one thing I can compare it to a couple years ago, but right before COVID happened, I think it was earlier in the season was there was a Celtics game where there was a lot of Celtics fans and this was in your Celtics guy, right? So it was, uh, I think it was Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Tatum that team and it was in the Kings won by I think two points but it was kind of like the crowds are trading um cheers back and forth which kind of keeps the energy going it kind of reminded me of the Laker game too how it's a lot of Laker fans you see at Golden One and last night was a lot of Bulls fans and you could tell from when we were sitting there watching pregame stuff I don't think I've seen maybe when the Warriors are in town or Lakers like I said but there was a lot of red in the crowd and the energy like you said too you're kind of fighting against something because when the Kings against the Knicks wasn't too many Knicks fans in the crit in, in the building, when they give up that giant run, the energy in the building's just gone. It's dead. It's quiet. And you're fighting against nothing except just being bad. But the other night, last night, the Kings, they show some fight and it kind of, I think goes into that. They, they feed off the crowd. Professional athletes tell you they feed off of the crowd. They feed off of that energy. And last night was a prime example of that. And the Kings instead of rolling over and letting, which I think a lot of us expected to happen in, in, in the late third quarter, early fourth, when it became a one point game, that it was going to be another one of those classic Kings blown 20 point leads. Uh, you can accredit it to, to having that energy in the building. And just the fact that the team, they just looked different last night. It could be different lineups. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about Dante DiVincenzo in, in a little bit, but um, if, if you want to get into Dante, go ahead. I think that's the first one up. Well, I mean, to off the bat the energy just was better i mean on twitter people were going crazy as soon as we got to put out dante was starting because people have been and i don't know if it's just people on twitter or people that are that don't aren't on twitter so if you're out there and you're not on twitter if you were wanting that as well 
it was it was pretty loud the Dante to starting lineup hype and and we got our wish the other night. We definitely did. Um, I kind of felt like maybe I had been pushing the whole Dante should start thing for a little while and was surprised that I started to get to a point of people being like, well, it's just because he's not that good. Um, and I, I get it. Like he had been frustrating for sure. You know, there's multiple possessions a game. There might have only been one yesterday um, again in that Chicago game, but usually you get about three a game where you're like, why would you do that? But it's really just those moments. And outside of that, I think he does all the little things really well. He just has very loud mistakes sometimes that I think are hard to overlook. But, you know, it's interesting. Like I, I wrote a article that went up on um, the King's Beat, actually, James Ham's newsletter um, about Dante and why I thought it was so weird that he wasn't getting minutes, that he just needed more opportunity. And it was right after he got 11 minutes against the Denver Nuggets which what like he that's the lowest minute total he's played all season long including the 17 games with the Milwaukee Bucks like with Milwaukee again team that is coming off a championship win he never played less than 15 minutes and he played 11 minutes that night he and then he went in that game in Utah played 17 minutes and then you see uh Justin Holiday come out um, with a COVID-related illness in the second half of that, or not, sorry, a non-COVID-related illness. Definitely got to be clear with that one. And then Dante gets a little bit more opportunity, and he, and he gets into the starting lineup here in Chicago. And I think that what was interesting to me is, like, after we got to talk to him, the first game that he played as a member of the Kings, they played in Washington, he talked about how he was not only fighting his rhythm, getting back from injury, he, you know, went 200-plus days without playing a basketball game, so not only was he fighting his own rhythm, he was fighting against rotations. Um, you know, like Pat Connington and Grayson Allen are getting more opportunity than him. And honestly, for good reason over there. Like, I, I get it in Milwaukee. They need production right now. But I would assume that when you get traded to, uh, you know, he was like, when I got here, we, this team had 20-something wins. So I'm going to go with the 20-something win Kings. I would assume when you go from that the championship reigning champions to the twenty something wing kings, you're thinking that you're not fighting for a rotation spot in the same way. Maybe you're fighting for proving that you can be the fourth guy or something, but not fighting where the low end is eleven minutes. Um, so I was concerned about just that being frustrating for him. And he's a looming he's about to go into restricted free agency. If he even slightly had a thought of they're doing this to try and lower or not have my market value this offseason spike, I, I think he would have every reason to be pissed if he thought that's what was going on. And you just got rid of the guys that did not want to be on this team that were clearly causing problems. Don't make another guy have an issue with the organization and not want to be here. Um, and, you know, maybe because of circumstances with Justin Holiday being out, but Man, I really like those 34 minutes he played in Chicago. Um, the stats don't pop or anything, like 15 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. There's a steal, um, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line even. Like, he doesn't, I think that it's, like what I said earlier, his good things don't necessarily pop, but the mistakes do, and that makes it easy to kind of like target him. But I don't know, man, I, I would really 
feel a type of way if Dante's not in the starting lineup and they go back to Justin. They wanted him for two years. Alvin Gentry said pregame yesterday when when asked how the organization views him, he said, well, we, we traded for him twice. That's all you really need to know. That's how much we like him. And to that, I say prove it. You you start him yesterday, and that is his greatest his, – that's the most points he scored as a king last night, 15 points. The seven boards jump out to me just because I've said before he's such a good rebounding guard, and there's not too many of those. I think Josh Hart is one that's named a lot. Obviously, Russell Westbrook can rebound, and I don't really want to get too into to the Westbrook hole after the highlights we've been seeing and that you showed me last night in the middle of the game. Had to have a laugh about that. Horrible. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, big yikes. But Dante, yeah, I say prove it. If, if he's going to be a part of this organization and he's going to be on this team and you wanted him this bad, let's see it. Because Justin Holiday, and again, it's not a knock to Justin Holiday. He's an NBA vet. He's an NBA champion. He's been around for a very long time. He'll be 33 years old pretty soon. And he has one year left on his deal. The Kings are probably going to match any offer for Dante. And like you said, if they are doing this to drive down his price, he should be him and his agency should be very upset. I don't know if that's exactly what the case is. Uh, I I would I would guess that Gentry's kind of going with the veteran in Holiday because they technically, as of a week and a half ago, were still in the hunt for the plan. That's kind of changed now, and with that change, let the young guys play. Let De'Aaron Fox and Dante Divincenzo play together for the next eleven games. See if they can kind of mesh with each other. See how those that trio of Fox, Sabonis, and Divincenzo play together because. That's probably your core unless you can add to it in the offseason, which you hope they will. But for right now, those guys and Davion Mitchell need to be the priority and seeing them them play together. And we saw it a lot last night. I just I'm impressed with what I've seen from him when he gets the opportunity, because like you said, that game against Denver, when he played 11 minutes, it, that was coming off his best stretch of the season prior to that game where he played 11 minutes. He, he had he had scored 11 points per game and shot 45 percent from three over five games. And the next game, he just doesn't score a point and plays 11 minutes and virtually is out of the rotation for one night. And then Gentry tells us not to read into it. Well, I just think that with 11 games to go, the priority should be see what you have, because right now the team is ahead of where they were last year, last year that they were, who do we need to get rid of and get off this roster? Because you had Marvin Bagley, you had buddy healed. Harrison Barnes even was a name you didn't want to get rid of him, but it was a we need to either shed salary or we need to to switch things up. Things have been switched up. And the Tyrese Halbert discussion is one that everyone will have till the end of time. But you have an all-star caliber center and bonus. You have a man named De'Aaron Fox who is playing better than probably 99% of people in the NBA right now. And you have some veterans. You have some veterans in Harrison Barnes, Dante DiVincenzo. What happens to Harrison Barnes, we'll see. But um, I would fully tap into Dante DiVincenzo over the next 11 games, see if he can get his feet back under him, um, literally and figuratively, after that ankle injury, and, and just see where you are come the summer. Yeah, definitely with you. Um, good point. Like, I, I don't didn't mean to come off as, um, and not saying that you were saying this, but just for clarifying even further, that – I'm not saying like that is what was happening with Dante when it comes to him getting limited minutes that it was nah, to Brendan, let, his contract let's stir situation. It up. Let's yeah, stir let's, it up, Brendan. Let's do this. What do you mean? They don't told? want Dante. They already regret it. They wish they had Bagley. <laughs> let's let's get it out there. <laughs> um God. Yeah. So I don't 
not saying that is what's happening, but I see how somebody could come to that conclusion, especially Dante or his agency, and and feel a type of way, understandably so. Um, and like you said, like figure out what you have. Um, if he plays himself, he's not at the point. It's 11, 12 games left. He's not playing himself way above where we're at right now. People aren't going to put a crazy amount of, I mean, unless he goes nuclear and averages 7, 18 over these last games on stupid shooting, like maybe somebody decides that, okay, this is that guy, you know? But like, to me, he's not going to play himself to a point where he's getting overpaid ridiculously. If somebody wants to overpay him, they're already at that point where I would assume that's how that, that team values him as a prospect now, and it's not about these last 10 games. So get an understanding of who he is and how he fits as this duo. Is he somebody that you think can be the long-term starting option at the two? Like, I think he could be. Um, do I bet on that? Like, if I'm forced to, I kind of do lean yes, but I'm not, I don't feel great about that. He started for, he w- he would have been the starting two guard on the Bucks last year. And whether that would have helped or decreased their chances of winning the finals, I don't I don't really know if it would have made that much of a difference, really, because Giannis was literally scoring 40 points per game in the finals. But he was a starting two guard on a championship team until he got hurt. And I'm not here going to sit here, and like you said, I'm not going to, I feel totally married to the idea that he's the two guard for the next four years, three years, if they sign him to a deal. But as far as upgrades go, realistically, what I mean, I don't know if the Kings, the Kings need to focus on bringing in a power forward. That should be their, the Trey Lyles. Is, all due respect to Trey Lyles, is the starting power forward right now, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know if that's going to be something that they can roll with on opening night next year. So, having Fox and Divincenzo, Davion Mitchell as your as kind of the head of your guards there, that's not that's not a bad start. Now. They will. They're, they're going to need some changes, and that could mean that they bring in another shooting guard. And if if Divincenzo's your 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 bench two guard, I can live with that too. I can live with him just being in the rotation and playing thirty minutes per night, and not having those random eleven minute. I don't know. That was just a weird thing against Denver. But uh, as far as upgrading the roster, I could see a team with Dante Divincenzo starting next to De'Aaron Fox. I feel like they complement each other well, especially with with DiVincenzo's ability to knock down threes. We're seeing him kind of improve as time goes on. And I know that you made a point that he's much better off the catch than he is um, on the dribble. So De'Aaron Fox, even though he's scoring 30 points per game right now, the assist numbers are there. The The ball movement is there. Then you have some bonus as well in the fold. DiVincenzo can be a guy that can kind of float and get open and, and knock down those shots when, when given the opportunity. It, it's going to be a matter of who can the Kings bring in that is better than Dante DiVincenzo. And right now, I say, let's see what you have in him first, then maybe we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm definitely with you. Um, on the catch and shoot compared to pull up, since he's come to Sacramento, 13 games now, um, he's shooting 5.1 threes per game and averaging 34.8%, which is not bad. You know, he's, he's getting those numbers up after a pretty tough start. And 3.6 of the 5.1 three point attempts, 3.6 of them are catch and shoots. And he's shooting 44.7% on those. Um, and then 1.4 pull-ups, 11.1%. Um, and again, it's important, like, these are small sample sizes. We're only working with 13 games. It's not a sample size where they're just 
it's not ridiculously small. It, I think it's something, um, but it is notable that like, you know, he doesn't have these massive differences earlier in his career, but he also wasn't getting the same amount of pull-up attempts. And to point it like, like you said, he was starting for Milwaukee, the team that ended up winning the championship, even if they didn't win with him being the starter throughout the playoffs since he went down with that uh, torn tendon in his ankle. Like he's the fourth or fifth best player on that starting lineup. Like, I think that if you do, like if he's your third option, you're not doing good. Like, but that's just the reality of the rest of the roster, like you said, or, or Harrison's third and and Dante's fourth option. Like, I think you still have an issue there. You need to get another guy, ideally above Harrison, where everybody then has a little less responsibility and I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, I, I think that Dante's totally starting caliber in this league, but he's the role player to complement the other top end guys, which is Fox and Sabonis. You know, like part of, I think, him being in the starting lineup and why we heard pre- people preach it so much is like he's doing a little bit too much in these lineups where it's him and Davion Mitchell and maybe DeMontis Sabonis. Um, I, I guess that would be the most typical one where. He's just trying to do a little bit too much sometimes, and he would have less responsibility playing alongside Fox and Sabonis, and we kind of saw that. Um, So I'm really encouraged. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how we go into the next game because we'll see how Justin Holiday comes back. And, you know, I've been... Holiday's played bad, like just straight up bad since he's come to Sacramento. He's shooting 29% from three on 6.23s a game. He's like just so inconsistent with his shot. I don't, he's not that level of shooter. He's a good shooter in the NBA. Um, There's probably a comfort situation and and just a lot of varying factors when you get moved to a new team and, and so many new guys on this group. I've been one to kind of defend him in the way of like, everybody's just like, yeah, he's so bad. And I'm like, no, I think he's a good bench guard. Um, He's just being asked to do too much. But there was not a single minute yesterday where I was like, I would rather, I I wasn't consciously thinking or watching for, is there any minutes I would rather have Justin Holiday out there? But I never naturally was like, man, I really miss Justin Holiday. No, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone was really saying that. And a lot of people on Twitter, I was getting a lot of responses about, I don't miss Holiday. Where's Holiday? Is Holiday going to come in and play? Holiday's going to come in any second. Yeah, he's been he's been tough. And I I don't think the Kings necessarily were trading for Justin Holiday when they made that move. They were trading for Sabonis, and and you know they had to make it work for financial reasons. So again, he has one year remaining on his deal. I think he told me last night he has six million left on his contract. Yes. Yeah, which makes him a tradable, makes him movable this offseason. Could make him as a part of a bigger deal. Uh, It's something that the Kings, I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. I don't know if that's something that we can say for certainty. But I can say with pretty fair certainty that Dante DiVincenzo will be. And I'm guessing that DiVincenzo knows that. I mean, he he says in his, his pressers, he's talking about the future and next year and being a part of his team. I think that him and his his agent both know that the team's going to match whatever offer is given to him. And like I said, it kind of takes it back to my, if you, if you value him that much, prove it. And holiday has been tough. The final 11 games, 
start DiVincenzo because if next game tomorrow night when the Kings play the Bucks, which by the way, setting it up for a beautiful revenge game. Oh my God, I didn't even think of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Revenge game, and the Kings haven't beaten the Bucks in I think six years. So, how fitting would that be? They have never beaten the Bucks at Golden One Center. The last time they beat them uh, was February of 2016. So. Mm. What a better way to break that curse than Dante DiVincenzo putting a 30 spot on the Bucks. Uh I definitely kidding. looked up his career high as we're talking about this. What 24. is 24? 24? 24. I was Reasonable. gonna guess I was gonna guess higher. I was gonna guess maybe he got hot one night and just kind of knocked down like six or seven threes, but I would have thought the same. Um I realized I have Dante clips to play from last night. Um yes. so before we move on from him, I wanna throw these in there. Um We'll start with how he opened up the presser. Um, actually, no. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with uh, one that's a little later. He talks about this one is asked of his comfort starting versus coming off the bench. Um, so, yeah, here's Dante T. Vincenzo postgame after the Kings beat the Bulls. Prefer that uh, versus, versus the backup world you have? I mean, I, I, that comfortability is – I mean, I, I was doing it in Milwaukee um, last year, so – it's just like an energy thing. It was like a, a, a routine thing for me. Um, but whenever my numbers call, whether it's coming off the bench, whether it's it's starting, for me, it's just always got to be ready. I think my mindset is uh, my energy is contagious for this team. And, you know, my attitude is contagious for this team. So that's what I try to focus on coming in every day, whether I'm starting um, or coming off the bench, playing 15 minutes or playing 35. It doesn't matter for me. If I can control that and give confidence to – guys like Davion Mitchell who played out of his mind tonight on both ends. Um, that's, that's the stuff that I need to focus on going into the off season. I love it. Um, you know, well I spoken. think that, right. I, I think that there's an aspect of like, maybe, you know, cause at first I wanted to be like, Oh, like, it's so nice to hear a guy say, I'm just here to play my role sort of thing and shine in my role. And I'm like, eh, I guess Marvin said that at this year too, um, but it's the things after that of I'm here to be infectious with my energy and give confidence to other guys. And I think that that was also something I was starting to worry about with Dante is like, I think there was a real aspect earlier this year of the ball doesn't swing so much because when I catch it, I'm thinking a little bit about giving it to the next guy over because what if it eventually reaches Buddy or Marvin? Um, and they just, it didn't, you felt like there was a distrust between some guys on this roster. And I started to worry that maybe we could get there. Um, and again, I don't think that we were reaching that at all, but I saw like the beginning of me being concerned of, you just have to do everything in your power to avoid that from happening. And instead going in the opposite direction of having a level of confidence that if I give it up. Um, it's going to eventually get to a good shot. If not, it might even come back to me if I put myself in a good position. Like, I think that that's what we're seeing a little bit more with this team as these guys get comfortable with one another. Um, again, a level of, of confidence and trust in the guys alongside each other. Like, We're always hearing that um, the pace and the ball movement in, is when this team is playing best. And I think we've definitely seen that. Um, so we'll have to see how Dante continues the rest of this year and if like that comfort can stay because while I do think that like the case I made for 
him getting opportunity makes sense. Like at the same time, no player is entitled to minutes and that's going to change a lot throughout next year and years beyond where if he does get moved to the bench, he's still going to need to perform um, even if that comfortability isn't there. But I think that I guess you can find a sense of comfort of just understanding what your role is on this team on a night to night basis, even if it's as the sixth man or the fifth starter. So, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting and, and you pointed it out and I don't have it in these clips, but like he definitely talked about and, and Sabonis did this as well. Darren Fox did it in the piece that James Hamm put out. Sabonis did it in the piece that Sam Amick put out. They're all talking about this off season and meshing together and moving forward. And it makes sense for Fox and Sabonis to say that Dante is a restricted free agent. Um, and so for him to just bluntly say that, I think is, is telling like, and you would assume, I, I would guess, from his point of view, like this team just traded for me. Of course they want me around. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it it's nice to hear him kind of confirm that. And I think that comfortability with him being in the starting lineup was was definitely on display. He said it twice, too, or three times, about oh, next year and or us going to the offseason and being able to work together. And and I don't, I don't think we're hanging on to words by, by pointing that out. I think that, again, when you're a strict free agent and the team has traded for you twice and – failed once and then finally got you he has to feel good and feel valued like these guys really want me now again coming off the bench and having that weird game where he didn't play much that might diminish that a little tiny bit and like you said it might even make you a little angry and and speculative speculative that you're trying to diminish his value in in free agency but um i've said it before the kings have are going to be able to open up next year with Three guy, two, three guys, really, in De'Aaron Fox, too. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, DiVincenzo. I feel great about opening up a season and having a full 82 with those guys. So um, that's the goal. It's kind of a, a running a running saying, this is the biggest offseason the Kings have had in 16 years. Well, last year was 15, this year is 16. This is the biggest offseason the Kings have had since the playoff drought. With these guys they have as their core, now it's time to surround them with, with other talent. So um, let's see what we have. Dante, 11 games. Alvin, let's see what we have in Dante. Let's let's give him a shot. I think it's I think it's warranted. Yeah. And uh, you know, like James Ham pointed out when I was kind of trying to talk to talk through, like it doesn't even make sense for Alvin from the point of view of like, you know, fighting to get wins right now. Like, not only is Dante somebody that you need to be figuring out how he fits for the sake of this offseason and your decision with him, he's just producing better too um so i think it's going to be hard for alvin to not keep him in that position um this is the one other quote we have from dante of it's it's a great opening quote and it translates to other guys on the team um yeah dante divincenzo here um you know confidence is a hell of a thing and i think for not just me i'm just talking in general from top to bottom um I think we came out tonight and played with a lot of confidence. Um, even if we missed two, three shots in a row, they made a run. Um, we still came down. We had confidence, and and that's contagious. Um, I think so. We have an amazing group of guys in that locker room, and, and when we don't get down on ourselves, when we don't get down on each other, um, and we play with that confidence, and we have that confidence even in the locker room, um, good things happen for us. How impressed were you with not only just your defense, but some of the – you know, plays that Harrison getting out. Some guys made down the stretch of that game. We have a we have a good defensive team. I mean, we have a lot of guys on this team that can guard multiple multiple positions, and I think that's the beauty with us. Um, 
I think we can play around a little bit more with different coverages and, you know, kind of mix it up for, for the other team. Um, but, you know, it goes back to what I say. It just gives us confidence on the defensive end when you know, you know, Fox is in the post and he can guard a four-man in the post. Um, I think it's great for us and we keep building off of it. Definitely an aspect of believing in each other. And like as Chicago's going on their run, they've blown a bunch of leads. The Kings had his recently, 20, 19-point leads in the first half. They just completely disappear in the third quarter. Um, and I think that as Chicago was going on their run, like Sabonis stood out to me a lot of like being pissed at his teammates, like in a constructive way, like getting in their face, like wake the hell up, um, clapping, screaming at him. Like, mm -hmm. and it looks aggressive at first, but then he's, you know, tapping them up and like, it's all good. It's for the sake of wake up. Like we're all trying to win this game. And I think that was the first time I'd seen that from Sabonis so bluntly um, to his other teammates. And we've heard a lot about De'Aaron uh, being a more vocal guy since Tyrese went out. And I think that that's really encouraging. And the guy, when I see like, you know, confidence is a hell of a thing, Dante falls into this, but my God, like De'Aaron Fox looks like the most confident thing the most confident version of himself we've ever seen, right? Yeah, I, I think last year he had a similar stretch, but to me this stretch is even more impressive because I don't believe he posted 40-point games twice over, I think, what was it, four-game span. Yeah, he scored 41 points against Utah. Two games before that, 44 against Dallas. Uh, he's averaging 30 points per game almost over his last 15. Um, I guess I can give you the full, the full stretch here. The last 15 games, 29.5 points. 6.7 assists. The assist numbers are continuing to stay up. 4.3 rebounds. And he's shooting 51% from the field and 39% from three. That's not a small sample size. That's 15 games. That's over a month, a month and a week to be specific. It's it's kind of giving you, if you lost hope in De'Aaron Fox, you should have that hope again and have that kind of that note, like that, that confidence that he is a guy that can be an all-star someday. And it kind of comes back to the the question of why. Why is this happening now? It's not to point fingers at Tyrese Halliburton and say, hey, these guys couldn't play well together. And maybe they would have figured it out down the line. We, we don't know. We never will know. But I think we can now say with 100% certainty that De'Aaron Fox is the best version of himself when he has the ball in his hands the entirety of his time on the court. He needs to be the point. He needs to be the primary ball handler. He needs to be the, the floor general. And we're seeing that paired with the fact that his shots are falling. And I'm not just talking floaters or, or attempts at the rim. He's knocking down those, those deep mid-range three-point shots, which we have never seen before. Uh, we've never seen before. I, I put out a tweet last night saying, De'Aaron Fox is turning into a shooter right in front of our eyes. And his dad quoted it and said, he's always been a shooter. I don't know if he, he's always been a shooter, but he's looking more like one now that I've ever seen before over the last five years. So kind of what sticks out to you when you look at his game, is that what impresses you the most his shot or just the fact that he's kind of just going full speed ahead with that confidence that we haven't seen so far. Yeah. I think they kind of go hand in hand, you know, like earlier this year, um, those 15 games that you pointed out, like are all the games since Tyrese was traded. The first one was without Domas, but then the other 14 were since Domas started playing and then Domas missed the Denver and Utah game. By the way, birth of a child is what was going on. 
shout out to Domas and, and congratulations there to him and the family. Dad but Domas. There you go. Uh, 43 games played before Tyrese was traded for De'Aaron Fox, and he was averaging 3.7 three-point attempts a game, 24.8%. In those 15, the 3.7 per game is up to 5.4, and he's shooting 37.5% or 39.5%, excuse me. Um, like, the way that he's getting these shots up, when he hit four in that first quarter against Utah, which obviously an outlier, and sometimes you're just kind of feeling yourself a little bit. Um, and then he hits three of eight in that game against Chicago, but he's quick to pull them. Like, if guys go under, he's looking to punish that because if that's an area where players are not allowed to do that anymore, De'Aaron Fox becomes a whole different animal, and I think that's kind of what we've seen. Right now, he's still getting guarded that way, and he's just making them pay. But if you can do it consistently enough where we're actually seeing a change in scheme, and you know, every time De'Aaron's asked about, like, oh, what's going well for you, he's like, I'm just playing basketball. Like, He's like, shots are just kind of going in. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, Alvin said he like, looks rejuvenated. I think that we all can see that. And... Man, yeah, if, if De'Aaron Fox, even if not, if De'Aaron Fox is just a 32% three-point shooter like he was last year, I still think he's got a coin flip chance of being a future All-Star. Like, he's All-Star conversation every year, still, in my mind, um, yeah. or close to it. And the free throws. The free throws, I mean, over that 15-game span, I believe his free throw numbers are, yeah, 76%. That's That's not... Fantastic, sure, but it's I believe his career mark is seventy one or seventy two percent. So yeah, the, he's getting to the free throw line, and that that's on that's on excuse me six point one free throw attempts per game. He still I think ranks among the top fifteen in free throw attempts per game this season. That coupled with the three point shooting, he could be what we're seeing right now. He he could be a thirty point per game score, and that's not being I'm not being crazy for saying he could be a thirty point per game score. He's doing it right now over a month plus of basketball. So yeah, the defense of course is a conversation that will probably have to be addressed at some point. Uh, It's still not fantastic, Um, but you can kind of see it. I think you pointed out to me too. You can kind of see it when that, that flip switches when he really just that intensity picks up and he really has to kind of reach back and, 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 and go get it. Like we saw it against Spencer Dinwiddie against the, in the Dallas game, De'Aaron did a good job of, of locking him up late and, forcing some stops and um, Alvin talked about it last night actually um you know he said like when you have Dante and Davion out there like guys that are able to guard the ball handlers and Fox isn't forced to run through screens a bunch and exert so much energy on the defensive end that helps him on offense and the moments where he is forced to be engaged on defense um that you're kind of limiting the effort that he's exuding in every single minute that he's out there because he's playing a crazy amount of minutes. He played 42 minutes last night. Um, he's he's playing a whole lot of minutes to the point where he's talking about, well, you know, back in the day, guys used to play 42 a night, so maybe it's not ideal, but, like, this is fine. Um, so, yeah, I think that he's he's freaking playing great. And as much as I'm like, man, I miss watching Tyrese play basketball – I missed watching this version of De'Aaron Fox yeah, play basketball. It's similar, right? It, it, I was thinking about that too last night, how it's so similar, how you're kind of coming to expect it. Like I'd come to expect Tyrese putting up a double-double each night for that that couple weeks there when De'Aaron was out, that 2010. It was kind of like you went into a game and 
you just knew he's going to do something special tonight. And it's almost unsurprising. It's just, it's just fun. It's fun to watch. And last night he gets 34 points and it, it didn't seem there wasn't really a stretch of, of game. The game where I was like, okay, Darren's red high. He scored four. No, he's doing it fluidly in, in the flow of the game. He's not forcing. Uh, that's why his field goal percentage still remains to be 50% and above that mark. So um, it's very inspiring to me to see it and seeing him and DeMontis play together. The the thing that the team will have to figure out and Monty will have to figure out is like you said, De'Aaron's playing huge minutes. They need to be able to survive with him off the floor because Alvin said it again. I think what game was it two games ago, how he wanted to give De'Aaron a little bit more of a rest. I think it was in Utah, but they had to get him back out there and you need to be able to survive for 10 minutes per night with De'Aaron Fox, not on the floor. And right now they can't really do that. Yeah. That happened last night too in Chicago. I think De'Aaron sat for like, he plays because right now he plays the entire first and the entire third. Um, Maybe he has a random moment where he sits for 30 seconds, the last minute of the quarter. If, and they go for, that's like the one time that you see a non Fox or Sabonis lineup. Right. Um, And I always am like writing it down and logging it. And I'm like, you know, I need to calm down. This is 45 seconds here. But um, yes, like, he plays the entire first, the entire third. I want to say he only sat for like two and a half minutes before it was like, okay, you need to get him back out there uh, because what the hell am I watching right now? <laughs> and then he goes back out there and and they do really well to close that game because it's not like Chicago didn't cut it all the way down. Um, I don't know if they ended up regaining the lead. I know they, they cut it to at least they, one. They never did. And, you know, I'm writing my little recap there and I was ready to kind of put, well, the the lead was finally given up, and no, they didn't. They they blew a twenty point lead almost. So you, you can't really say they blew it. They they almost blew it. They had a twenty point lead and it came down to one with I think eight minutes left. But I can't recall ever seeing a game like that where they blow a lead, but then don't completely give it up and they kind of fight back and and hold them off. And that was again a fun night. Yeah. Deer and Fox, it, Dante, a part of that. Yeah, and that was rare before i mean still rare now because we've seen a lot of blown leads like dallas new york um i think they got a lead on denver utah that was always pretty close um we did see like a similar thing with san antonio they had a 19 point lead and then san antonio brought it all the way back and then they still kind of held on um so yeah i mean i'm choosing to take like the you know, they, they always blow the lead, but the fact that they're able to gain a significant lead against, like, it's not, like the Bulls are, sure, they don't have Lonzo Ball. Um, and that's the significant only one missing, right? Like Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams out all year. Everybody else is playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, and they've been playing bad lately. I looked, I didn't realize they've lost, I think, seven of nine. They, they've kind of been sliding lately, but they still have a good team. The talent, is there that's that's a team that's gonna i would imagine go i mean they might not make out of the first round in the east you never know the east is tough this year but um they're a good team and that doesn't mean the kings are a good team and we should really hang on to the fact they won this game it just gives you kind of a glimmer of of hope for seeing these guys together so bonus kind of struggled really if you think about it he didn't have a rebounding night that we've seen him have seven rebounds that's the least amount he's had as a king divincenzo had a maybe his best game as a king and then fox is doing what fox does so um again just taking those pieces of of information kind of putting them in your pocket for the summer and and just kind of going from there 
Definitely. Um, you see what like they can be. And I think another guy, you know, Dante definitely talked him up a little bit at the end, said Davion had a really great game on both ends of the floor. And both those guys have talked each other up like earlier at shoot around that day. Davion was talking about how he loves playing with Dante. I am not surprised in the slightest that those guys like playing alongside one another. They both play similarly and have that like dog mentality where I'm just going to bother the shit out of this guy and and play some solid defense and just the effort's ridiculous. And then they also have like flashes on offense where maybe they're a little bit inconsistent. And this is where Davion's interesting, right? Like prior to the All-Star break, there was a lot of optimism around like, okay, he's in a rhythm. Like because coming into the year, we don't know, is he a good three-point shooter? Was his senior year at Baylor just an outlier? His free throw percentage just still sucks. So where are we at? And 10 games before the All-Star break, and this is alongside Tyrese with De'Aaron out with that uh, ankle sprain, kind of weird situation, um, ankle soreness. But 10 games for Davion prior to All-Star break, 16.1 points, 4.6 assists on 45% from the field and 39% from three on 6.9 threes per game. Um, So feeling really good. And then, and then comes back around and, his minutes really diminish because also in that 10 game stretch, he starts seven of them. He's averaging 31 minutes a night. And now kind of similarly to Dante, like there's one night in there that he plays 11 minutes. Um, I, I think he actually was, he got a little bruised up at one point and went down for a little while in that Denver game, but ended up coming back out. But he goes from the 30 plus minutes in the previous 10 to now the 10 after the all-star break where he's averaging 23 minutes a night on about half the points, 8.4 points, 2.4 assists, and 40% from the field, 22.9% from three. Um, and, and I typically leave out his free throw percentage because he's not good at it, but it's not just that. It's also super low volume. So when I'm talking like 10 games, it's one, uh, three, six, eight different free throws. So that's, that's why I end up leaving that out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really these last three games where he's actually hitting from three, two of four against Chicago, two of five Utah, two of five Denver. Because prior to that, he made one three in two of the previous seven games and outside of that didn't hit a single one. Um, Where are you kind of at with the just ups and downs that we're seeing from Davion on the offensive end? He's streaky and that's it's not awful because when he is good, he's really good. And like you said, last night he was really fun to watch and, and the way he kind of can play off the dribble going to the rack. He's, he's kind of like, I think I put out something saying he's like got a layup package that could be elite in a couple of years. Um, any King sends out there. It kind of reminds me of Tyree Gevins, the way he'd kind of drive in and kind of get up there with his right hand on the left side of the basket. Um, he can get to the rim and he's very skilled at that. The three point shot is where it kind of needs to really bring it all together. We know he can do on the defensive end, and and he's been playing well over the past couple of games. But looking at it as far as the whole season, 10 points per game, 40% from the field, 31 from three. Over 40% from the field and 31 from three. I'm not mad about that. I'm not too mad about a rookie averaging that in his first NBA season. Um, The free throw things, the free throw percentage, 55% is just, it's tough, no matter how you slice it. and yeah, it's low volume. He doesn't get to the line too much, but 
that's got to come up. That's got to come up. That's that's Tristan Thompson level right there. Shout out TT, by the way, back at Golden One last night. Picking up a quick five fouls. That was very quick. Very quick. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with Davion, his ability to kind of bounce back from those tough, tough performances. Uh, it still remains to be seen how the Kings really want to use him because we talk about Dante a lot. Is there a possibility that they, they envision him playing next to Fox at some point? Cause him and Dante are kind of similar. I, I would, I wouldn't say they're exactly the same type of player, but they're, they're defensive guards that have ability to knock down threes and, Obviously, Dante is kind of having a, a, a weird year because he's coming, up, coming off of injury, but um, I feel like their shooting is, is, is kind of similar. Um, but it's something they have to figure out this offseason. Again, nobody's untradeable, as we've all seen. There's a possibility that, that Davion's moved in a, in a, a large deal. I'm not saying that's going to happen, or I think it's going to happen, but you just you never know. Um, backup point guards around the NBA, I, I feel like Davion might deserve more of an opportunity to, to, to play than being just a bench guard playing 19 to 21 minutes per game. I think right now what's he averaging 20, 25 as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, is that going to stay the same if the Kings lock down to Vincenzo or bring in another guard to, to, to play too. So that's kind of what they need to figure out, but uh, he's streaky when he's good. He's good. Um, even when he's not playing well, the defense still is there. He hasn't had many games where he's looked completely lost on the defensive end. And last night he was just completely all over the place defensively in a good way. Um, him and Dante both were a lot of fun to watch. And I think having those two guys in the lineup, that's something that, that could be a positive in the future is two guys that can play in your face, smothering defense on the floor at the same time. Not too many le- teams in the league that have that. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, and we saw like a closing lineup that um, I'll probably pull the numbers a little bit later today to see if we've seen it before, but we saw Fox Davion and Dante all on the floor with Harrison and, and Domas Sabonis as the four or five with that group. And I really liked it. Like, I think that Justin holiday again, like I think he's a fine eighth guy on your team. I don't know how you justify playing him over these other two. Like the, unique skill strength that Justin has over those other two is shooting off movement. He's not hitting shots at a great rate. The other guys are still capable shooters. Well, I guess sometimes they have moments where maybe it's a little tough, but I think that they're better defenders, Davion and Dante, that is. Um, Dante just straight up in every scenario that you would play Justin in. I guess like Justin is more of guarding two threes while Dante's guarding or um, while Davion is guarding ones and twos. So maybe if you need somebody to guard a three, I see why you go towards Justin over Davion. Um, but then also like, sure, Justin holidays hypothetically provides shooting off movement and the threat of that. But if opposing teams like just close out really hard, he's not putting the ball on the floor and then, driving and kicking and making plays from there like I I think that's the other sneaky aspect of this is that you want the ball swinging from left to right so like quickly and well Dante and Davion alongside Fox and Sabonis give you that like I I don't think that Dante or Davion should be initiating the offense themselves on you know for for stretches of games one a couple possessions sure but 
when they are just like a cog that keeps the machine rolling of ball movement, I think that that's a really underrated aspect of of going to them over Justin Holiday. Yeah, and and I think you pointed out earlier with when Buddy and Marvin and and some of those other guys were here, the ball would stick. And bringing in Dante Vincenzo, Davion Mitchell being in the lineup, they're already ahead in in that regard as far as the ball movement is there, and the ball's not sticking, and they're running actual offense, and that's why I think you see last night in that game. Things look so fluid. Things look so they look so it makes you kind of feel comfortable just watching these guys play because I say it again and again, I just can't hammer it in enough. We watched a basketball game last night. That's what a basketball game looks like. Not a Kings game where it's kind of hero ball, one guy just kind of getting his shots up, which we've seen time and time again. Again, to pile on Buddy and Marvin. That's one of the, the things that kind of deterred a lot of people from watching and and even would drive us up in media row crazy is watching the Kings just go play after play buddy for a shot. Okay. Brick down to Marvin, the post missed half hook. Um, the air would get his shots. This is a team. Even, even Fox and Tyrese kind of were guilty yeah. at times. Well, well Fox, kind of became that guy too, as far as that's, that's why his numbers were down really. And I'm not saying it was Tyrese's fault, but Fox was trying to get his on his own and Tyrese was getting his nine, 10 assists per game. But Right, because it, it doesn't come to me naturally within the yeah. flow, so I just have to make it happen sometimes. Like that's forcing. That's that like the definition of forcing. Having like thinking you have to make it happen, and and that's forcing. And De'Aaron was forcing a little more earlier in the season. So, yeah, I completely agree with you that having Dante Davion out there with Fox with Harrison Barnes, who has been passing the ball a lot more lately and not taking as many shots, uh, still being passive, and and Sabonis, who is one of the best passing bigs in the league. Um, it's a nice it's a nice foundation for for a, a distributing team next year. Frankie, they survived a game where Harrison Barnes scored six points. He had six two points. He had two points, I think, with three minutes left, and then he scored. I think back to back. He he scored right at the the perfect time. But it was we were looking at each other, just going, "He's taking like six, seven shots tonight. Is two points." I never pulled this before. This is the ninth game of the season uh, where Harrison was in single digits in points. How many do you think they won? Out of nine? Including the Chicago. Or, yeah, this was the ninth. I bet they're they're weirdly like four and five. This is the only win, actually. Oh, my God. The only time. Well, I wonder why. It makes sense. It makes, I mean... Harrison Barnes averages 17, 18 points per game. And, and our, our buddy, Chris Watkins is, is a big, uh, he's very critical of Harrison and how he gets his numbers. But really at the beginning, I don't think Harrison's attempted more than 17 field goals in a game, which is a lot of field goals. Mind you, I'm not saying Harrison needs to go take 17, 18 field goals per game, but he needs to get his shots up. The team is the best version of itself when Harrison Barnes is being aggressive because if you add him into the fold last night, the Kings win that game easily. If Harrison Barnes is is being aggressive, the way we know, and I don't think that would take anything away from De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis or Divincenzo or, or even Davion, who had a good night last night. If Harrison plays the way that he wants to play, now the question of that though is: Is this the way that he wants to play? Is whether he wants to play is just kind of being more passive and being more selective because. I don't know if I'm fully in love with that because he's he's a guy that is one of our better shooters. He is a force when he's driving into the paint. 
kind of reminds me of how LeBron, he just has that big body, can just get in there and just get right to the rim. They need him to score. So can't right. have him be if, if, if And again, this is if they want to win games. We're not, they don't need to win games right now. So maybe for the next 10 games, 11 games, yeah, be passive a little yeah. more. But and And like when he's your fourth guy rather than your third, it's okay that he every once in a while has like that he gives you an average of 16 or whatever it is. And then, you know, the nights where he gives you 25 are great, of course. Um, but when he's the four and the fourth option instead of the third, then you also, on the other hand, because while you'll get the jumps from 17 to 25, you're also going to get the drops from 17 to single digits every once in a while. And they just couldn't survive those before, um, unless you're getting an outlier performance from other guys, which to be fair, that still is what last night was like to get a combined 31 between Dante and DiVincenzo is an outlier. Uh, or sorry, Dante and Davion is an outlier. Um, but I, I think it just, you know, speaks to the idea of getting, more players that can step up when Harrison gets a little quiet because it's not all that often. It just, it's frustrating because when it happens, it's because he's not getting shots up Mm -hmm. like six points in that game. And then like, just to go through some of these previous games and these are just all going to be points, right? Six last night. And then you have 18, 17, 23, nine, 27, 19, 23, 24, but then 14, 17, six, um, before that, 21, 30, 21, 24, 25, 19, 11, 16, 28, 4. So it doesn't happen that often. But, like, it's just sometimes going to be Harrison, I guess. Like, I don't know, beginning of the year, I was like, they're preaching him shooting so much more all the time. And I believed in it because we hadn't heard it before. It's just to me, like, I don't. I think that sometimes you're going to get this with Harrison and that's got to factor into your team building probably. Yeah. It's, um, geez, that's really loud in my ear. Sorry. Girlfriend texted me. No, Harrison really does just subtle flex. Well, no, it's just like this. I have this new headphones and with the, the notification thing on MacBooks, I, it's very loud, very very loud. Um, but no, Harrison is a guy that, we know what he is at this point. We know what he is. I'm more concerned of how he fits next year. And that's something I think, I mean, how do you feel about that? So I'm not trying to, to move on from what you were, we were talking yeah, about, good. but how do you feel about having him as a part of a team next year? Because we, we've been talking about him so much and, and I think he is kind of like a topic of discussion about he needs to take more shots, but do you think he's a guy that will fit next year? Like, would you want him on that team with Sabonis and DiVincenzo and Fox, or do you think it's kind of a maybe he'll have to be moved to get a player like John Collins is a name that we've, we've been talking about, or another kind of power forward? Is he kind of just that domino that's going to have to fall in order to upgrade the roster, or do you just want him on this team as that fourth option? Yeah, I mean, I think that like I want him as the fourth option. I think he's a really good fourth option. Like, I think he's an elite fifth option but obviously that's asking a lot the kings aren't going to get enough talent to where he's a fifth option unless yeah it'd be ridiculous outlier outcome um i really like keeping harrison around i will say i think he's getting to a point where he's 
pretty tough on defense. Um, you know, like he has this reputation of being a good defender. And while I've never viewed him as a bad defender, um, I don't know that I ever viewed him as like a clear positive. Like a um, plus. Yeah, like a slightly, a slight plus maybe, but not like he substantial. Used, I feel you like know? he used to be though. I mean, I have to look at the numbers, but I feel like he used to be a plus defender, right? Yeah, probably like on the perimeter a little bit more. Um, and now it's like he just doesn't, he doesn't slide all that quick. He's like, it, it's doesn't take long for a guy to be past him, and he has to turn his hips and kind of be chasing. Like, I don't think we're at the point where Harrison's a bad defender. Um, I do think that we're kind of like in an average range right now. But, you know, you're getting average defense from a guy that's, again, like went through those those points tallies from previous games. And still the overall numbers for Harrison looks so freaking good. Um, and this is part of the frustration when you have games like last night. But 17 points, six boards, two and a half assists on 47% from the field, 41% from three. Like the team desperately needs shooting. Harrison Barnes is shooting 41% from three. And after that, like your three-point shooting just falls off a ginormous cliff right now. So I would love to keep Harrison. Um, I guess all that being said, I think the latter of where you, what you presented makes sense. That like if you are making a big splash, it kind of has to be Harrison um, because even just finances, like if you put together – um, Rashawn Holmes and Justin Holiday, you can get a guy that's about 20 million. Like yesterday, we looked at this, like Jeremy Grant, like that. You can get to that level of salary. And I think that those guys are kind of appealing as long as you're, you know, the main asset going out would be the first round pick. Um, and the same thing where if you're moving Harrison, to me, you're including either this year's first round pick or other first round picks. Maybe if Davion is like, considered one because a team likes him or something that you're going out and making a substantial improvement and you're using him because you needed that salary um, in order to get a John Collins where you had to make it match but at the same time it's not just like buddy healed matching salary where it's like how do we feel about this contract like I think Harrison's viewed as a good deal um, about he's just market value for what he is um, not strikingly positive but he's not a negative deal so I'm totally good with keeping Harrison around. I do worry that like, say you trade him in the first round pick for John Collins. Like, I don't know that I do that deal necessarily, right? Um, I genuinely don't know. But that sort of thing where you're trading for another guy that's all-star caliber, then who is your, you're in another situation where you're going to have another crappy starter alongside these three because Harrison is the only like Dante is working his way maybe towards this and he, and he can prove himself to be a starter caliber player but outside of Fox and Zabonis Harrison's the only starter caliber player on this team mm -hmm. right now so I worry about it but I would understand like that if they're taking a really big swing for a guy that's already got a substantial paid um, paycheck like kind of feels like he has to be the guy it's like an interesting conversation, though, because I feel like a lot of Kings fans would feel that way, too. That, hey, like, I'm cool if he stays on the team, but also if there is a trade, he kind of has to be the one that, that goes. And it's purely financial, I, I think, at that point. I think if the Kings could keep Harrison Barnes, they, they would keep him and go get a big guy. But 
like you said, it's not really possible to do so without moving that contract. It's how you, you make the puzzle pieces work as far as bringing in more money. So um, I'm intrigued to see what happens with the draft pick because maybe they could, if they get a top pick and they decide to move it with Rashawn, a package of Rashawn, the pick and, and either holiday or Davion for someone really big, if they wanted to, maybe there's a way to keep Harrison and go get a big talent, but um, seeing they, they need to upgrade at the power forward. I, he might be the one that has to go, but then again, that creates a whole small forward because the Kings have not had a good small forward. I mean, the good small forwards the Kings have had over the last 20 years are Peja, Ron Artest, Rudy Gay, and Harrison Barnes. They have not really had any other small forward in that time over 20 years. That has been, I consider, a, a decent option. So, and yeah, I, I'm slandering John Salmons. For anyone listening, I'm giving him some slander. So How dare you. Travis He's the Outlaw. only person in history to ever slander John Salmons. Hey, man. Kings, it should be in the rafters. They're about to bulldoze down Arco and the ghost of, of John Salmons two times he was here. So um, interesting conversation. It's going to be a great topic of conversation in the offseason, too, when we know where the Kings are drafting and people can kind of float those ideas of maybe they jump into the top five if they stay at six right now, or maybe they fall to eight or nine. What does that mean for for a potential package with Harrison Barnes for a for a, a elite elite talent or a decent talent? Shout out John Salmon's legend, Dutch Kings fan. Yeah, he is. He was. That was a that was a big part of the Jimmer Fredette trade. That was that was some big hype that day. I think I was excited because I was what 16, 15. And John Salmon's when he was here before was good. So when we got Jimmer Fredette, people thought, wow, we got the best score in college and John Salmon's, who was great here last time. Kings are on their way didn't work out that way um but this year's different this is different this year's different i mean <laughs> a 44 45 year old john psalms come back for you know third time's a charm he could be what the kings need to break the curse yeah who knows maybe that's what they need um, who knows brendan that's the thing who knows we do not uh the team has not in the past and and hopefully they do now it's going to be interesting going through these next couple games because if they can continue to show significant stretches, 30 minutes of the game against, you know, championship caliber teams, then I, I'm going to kind of continue to find optim- find hope in that. Um, and I think that the reason that the Dante thing is so important is as a guy that we were looking at, or, or at least I was, as um, somebody that was potentially a long-term piece on this team, and you don't have many guys that you can really comfortably say that about. So for him to emerge in, in the way that he did in that game and hopefully continues to um, as, as we go here, and yeah, I'm, I love that you pointed out that this next game is against Milwaukee, and I somehow never pieced that together because... Oh god! He, if he doesn't start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna riot, dude. I would be. So... I'm I'm a, I'm already over. I'm I'm over he, it. He'll start. He'll start. He has to, dude. I don't think so. I just don't think he's going to. I think that Justin Holiday's gonna start for. I bet Justin Holiday starts through Sunday against Phoenix, and then I think the Kings will probably be. I'm guessing unless they keep playing. I mean they they. That was a surprising win last night. If they win by some chance the next three against Milwaukee, Boston, and Phoenix, uh, yeah, we can have a different discussion. But they probably will be completely out of the play-in race, like mathematically, come Monday. 
then maybe we could see Dante starting the last six, seven games. But I'm telling you right now, I have a bad feeling that tomorrow we're going to get into that room and Alvin's going to say, yeah, Justin's back. Starting him. Play, play Dante. Just play Dante the last 11 games of the season. It's not, it's not going to hurt the team. You could argue if they're going for wins, it might even help them. If that's what they're still interested in. If that's what Alvin and the front office want, maybe that'd help you. If if you want to win games, you won last night. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I also don't know what to make of like Dante going against his former team. Like, because he's erratic and trying to do too much sometimes and kind of prone of, of fitting that bill on a couple occasions, like part of me is like, does that mean we see more of that? Or does this mean that maybe he's just like kicking ass on defense or is there like a, who knows? It, it could go either direction, right? Like, like, Kind of how I feel about when Buddy plays against this Kings was, team. He's either going to light say. us up or he's going to shoot crazy shit where we're like, oh, yeah, I don't miss that well, guy. I was, I was telling someone on Twitter the other day that it's going to be a painful night either way because the Kings and Pacers are battling for that fifth spot in the lottery. So either the Kings are going to win and it's going to hurt because you're going to lose a whole game on that five spot or it's going to hurt because the Pacers are going to win and the Pacers are going to beat you by Tyrese and Buddy most likely. So no matter what, what is that? The 24th, I think, is when that game is. It's going to hurt. Is it 24th? Yeah, 23rd, actually. 23rd. I was close. How dare you? Off the, top of my, dare my, you? off the top of my head, though. Come on. I couldn't tell you what today is without looking at it. So I that's fine. We show up at the stadium yesterday, and somebody's like, oh, like, you know, it's good for a Monday. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Monday. Like, I know what day <laughs> it is because we have these, these like, little poll – calendar things uh with like a, a a fact today's fact is did you know the four ghosts and pac-man are programmed to act differently red chases you pink tries to position itself in a set way blue tries to ambush you orange is random so if you're playing pac-man you can give me some thanks wow at your local arcade orange is random there's a dante DiVincenzo metaphor somewhere in here um, that is amazing. Frank, we're going to have to have you read these every episode I'm da- because hey, man. I love that. Got got the whole the whole year right here. <laughs> When's the last time you played Pac-Man? Um, honestly, I'm 27, probably when I was like nine. But okay. I have my Game Boy still. Long. I, I've had a Game Boy. For, John Salmon's years. Yeah, John Salmon's years, the first <laughs> Part one, one probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I have my Game Boy over here, and I, I, I played it during lockdown, like in COVID a year ago or two years ago two years ago yikes um so i was playing all the games i had i don't think i got to pac-man i mostly stuck with like pokemon and like nba jam the old nba jam 2003 or whatever but um i now have that information and there's a pac-man contest out there in sacramento there's like some kind of retro gaming fair i'm gonna show up and i'm cleaning house there we go yeah little detail you left out it's actually all pac-man facts for 365 yeah, of that. it's all pac-man <laughs> yeah but pac-man was developed by this guy who went to right. college here let's talk yeah. about that college no. and his roommate was his roommate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like every single day for a whole year right yeah this is uh what we have to do to get by and and we have entertaining basketball and we still get to pac-man can't help it i guess real quick uh i got suckered into I never, like, I played Pokemon when I was younger, right? Like, Game Boy Switches, like, elementary school. Um, or not Game Boy Switches, Game Boy Colors. Yeah, and the OG. 
Yeah. And uh and, and enjoyed it but never didn't like keep playing longer as like I know some of my friends did. Um but then I got suckered into playing the new what it's like Arceus or something on on the Switch. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. I also like used to play. I I do. I used to play. My girlfriend does, so I pretty much do. Uh, (laughs) She didn't play it. Um, I used to play a lot of games and then kind of fell out of it. And then, you know, got told that I should probably get back to like just chilling sometimes. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to try this Pokemon game. Pretty good. It's fun to like just play like video game. I mean, I only play sports games. So let me ask you. I know we're probably at the end of it, but. What is your stance on 2K? I think people have kind of like a hard stance of, wow, I hate it. I don't play it anymore. Or I love it. I kind of just started getting back into it. But I don't – I mean, I only do my career mode. Do you play 2K or do you do you care about – do you care for 2K? Do you fancy 2K? <laughs> I used to play a stupid amount of 2K. Um, like career mode or GM mode or just kind of like online? my team. My team. The okay. cards – yeah, I love team building shit. Like, if I am playing with a friend, for example, like at the same place, then I'll do like a fantasy draft of the entire league, and we'll like draft a team together and then play it. Um, I just love team building shit, so I kind of gravitated towards my team. Um, and then at some point, it was just like I always get frustrated. When I'm like, you're treating this like a fucking video game, not a basketball simulator. Like, I get so fucking pissed all the time in that game when people are just cheesing and doing shit that does not happen. Um, because I'm over here, like, trying to make the right rotations and shit. And you be, being realistic. Yeah, I'm being nerdy and lame as fuck with nobody else is doing no, man. this. But you're, you're, a, you're a basketball mind, a creator. Oh, you, yeah. You're the Monty McNair of <laughs> NBA 2K. Yeah, hopefully I have a big improvement this offseason. The Vladi, so. you're, you're the Vladi Divots of NBA 2K. Yeah, even even like when this one came out, I played it a lot at the beginning, but I think I there was something about it. I think they like changed the shooting or something like this, mm-hmm. um, and it was just a janky enough change with like the controls that I already had too many moments of being frustrated because it was just felt like bullshit too often where it was like, all right, that was enough for me that I fell out of it. But I mean, even like when that one came out, I played it a stupid amount. And like, I used, yeah, I used to play it. Well, how how it usually goes is I play at the beginning and then I kind of get over it. Then the trade deadline happens and I go, Oh, a bunch of new players, a bunch of new situations. Then I get back into it. And right now I'm kind of just on career mode. And I like to always get traded to the Kings because I want them to make – I like seeing them make the playoffs. Like watching your characters just go through shit. I, I took them to the playoffs. <laughs> I ended the drought. Yeah, just because I've been waiting since when I was 11. What, what position a, do you make? A point guard just because you have the ball in your hands. And also I, I True. when I did play basketball, I was a point guard. And again, I played probably – I probably played minutes comparable to Josh Jackson, which – I wouldn't play probably seven, eight games, and I'd play two minutes. So, um, but I'm I'm small, so I'm with a point guard. Um, I make it a realistic six foot three, you know, like two hundred pounds, because I'm yeah. pretty much that big. Yeah, five five eight one seventy. But who's keeping track? But not you, about, clearly. What about you? Do you do like a shooting guard, or do you do? Yeah, um, I definitely get the point guard thing. Um, I don't play 
my career that often. Like last year, um, I think I made like a slashing wing right before. Okay, so the last one I remember like really playing my career a lot was I was a two or three on the nets um, back when it was D'Lo and Lavert and just those guys. It was like the Atkinson Young Nets, and I was like the three that was the star. And it was like funnily a moment of like, holy shit, this team has a whole lot of really good role players. If they could just like insert one really good guy and then it happened. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but this year was the first time where I was like, you know, I might play like the my park thing with, with friends. Um, if I ever, you know, I, I didn't end up getting some of those. So it fell through, but the friends, um, oh, but <laughs> come on. Frank will never play 2K with me. This is the whole point of this conversation, actually. I'll play no. 2K. Tyrese should be playing 2K with you. It's you true. Guys, it's you guys true. talked about it, I thought. I'm going to follow through in the offseason there. Yeah. Um, this year I made a big. Um, the idea was center, but you're too slow. So I'd rather like make a four that's just like quick and longer. Like athletic? Yeah, like I just made I made like five, a peak Mo Harkless, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Portland Moharkle. So if you're a five, you just kind of camp out in the paint on 2K and you just wait and you're just kind of putting your hand, just trying to call yeah. for the ball the whole time. Like I'm know. just there blocking shots and rebounding. And That'd be fun. Screening. And is, is that fun? Um, well, I, no, I think I mean, so, but I don't think most people do. <laughs> I'd rather have the ball in my hands. But the last thing about my player, I'm, I'm a point guard and I'm, I like to get a bunch of assists and stuff. It's just kind of, I like to do the alley oops or, or, or find guys that are slashing. And, my numbers are kind of similar to like what Tyrese is doing in Indiana, like, like 20 and nine per game. And it's kind of like making me think, huh? Like if the Kings could have had Sabonis with Fox and Tyrese, they'd be really good. But obviously there's no way to do that. But kind well, of you're, you going into the draft, Frankie, like you're the clear solution here. I don't know, man. I mean, Hey, it's never too late. Never After too late. After you graduate high school. Yeah. I'll graduate high school this summer, and and then we'll we'll kind of see. I have a growth spurt in me. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I got a foot. I got a foot in me. What so. number are you in two game? Uh, my favorite number is three, but okay. three three is taken by Terrence Davis, so I'm I'm thirty three. By you, mm. I uh do number one. That was wow, my first. I know, right? It says a whole lot about me, you know. Like, yeah, let's man. Really read into these. Pretty uh, egotistical. Yeah. That was the first number I ever had when I played. Um, and I remember, of course, like, I get my first number, and I'm like, oh, who is this, you know? And T-Mac was, I think, the one that stood out to me. That's what I came to mind. Orlando T-Mac. T- they both had the, t- uh, the they, both of the T-Macs. Both Orlando and Houston had their moments, though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was sick. That's sick. That, that's a good reason. That's a good reason. It was just, yeah, my first one. I, I always um, don't mind nine. Like, I just had a genuine obsession with Rondo growing up, Dude, which yeah. I know is not a popular thing with Kings fans, but hey, I was a Celtics guy growing no, you, up. You're talking to the right guy. I'm a huge Rondo Kings guy. <laughs> I was so excited when they got him, and I was I was enamored with his big stat lines every night while people were saying, Frank, you should stuff in the stat sheet. I don't <laughs> care, all right? They, play, they played so horrible. I don't care. I'm having fun watching him go for 11 and 15. He's one of the guys that I very much ended up like taking things that he did, like the whole uh, like faking a layup and then like reverse pivot or the fake behind the back. The fake BS, behind the back, like, like yeah, yeah. Those were like, and and I 
think I like did them like once or twice. And then my dad was like, oh, like been uh, like trying to be like Rotom. I'm like, I didn't even realize, but you're definitely right because I love this guy. I guess I just am him. Yeah, I you guess. Know? Like, I'm, Pops, it's just natural. I'm just that guy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what can I tell you? What can oh, I say? God. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that this Kings team is in a good position if they're able to draft Frankie next year and, and Brendan two years down the line. Yep. We're, we're so, on the way. We're on the way. Yeah. Stay on Money, the lookout. Hit us up. That, you know where to find us. That 33 Kings jersey and that number one Kings jersey coming yeah. at you. We'll be downstairs later today if you need to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Yeah. So. <laughs> or go into the facility in two hours. We'll see you then. There we go. Get our get our workout in. Uh, anything else, Frankie, before we get out um, of here? No, I don't think so. I, uh, I'm i looking outside right now. It's a rainy day, so that's interesting. So yeah, I'll what the it, hell? Yeah, I'll end it where, with... Where did this come from? I'll end it with nice to have our one rainy day of, of the year. And... Uh, yeah, big big uh big week coming up still. We got Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix. So a lot of big uh big teams coming through. And tomorrow again, just once again, the Kings have not beaten the Bucks in six years. Whoever's keeping track out there. Twelve game losing streak. So it's time to change the culture and the history of this franchise. And that starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mine has already started. <laughs> it might have already started. It has, yeah. Yeah. Obviously has. There's no yeah. There's no might have. Like, if you disagree, I don't know. I can't possibly understand your opinion. Shout out Rich Ivanowski. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right. Franklin Cardicelli, at F Cardicelli on Twitter, KHDK, Return of the Roar. And then Brendan is myself. That was so awkward. I usually point- don't do this part, clearly. Future point guard and shooting guard of the Sacramento Kings. It's true. Be- because 2K told us. Yeah. But that's all I need to know. We'll be the ones getting yelled at because our backups should be playing over us. And I'm really looking forward to that. While while we still cover the team, we'll get right off of a game and just go record a, record a podcast. Yeah. I, I I think this is a flawless game plan. Um, gonna gonna have to put together this this business plan and, and really do it. Well, By the know. way, chat says, ooh, the shot at Ivanowski. Rich is my guy. That's all love. It. That's so, all love. Just to be clear to listeners, Rich <laughs> is my guy. He was all like two episodes ago. Yeah. Um, it's all yeah. love. All right. Well, speaking of Rich um, and all the other great guys and gals at the King's Herald, definitely take a look at this site there and all the great content that they're producing on the regular and take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you're here from us again in the next couple of days.